How many of you this morning when you got up looked in the mirror? How many of you do some mirror time before you go out in public? All right. And so one of my favorite all-time illustrations is James says, we look into a mirror to see how the natural man is doing. Now, how many of you get up feeling like a million dollars and you look in the mirror and the mirror says, warning, warning, we got an antenna problem, we've got some things going on. How many of you look at the mirror and go, I just don't believe you? And we did, you did, how many of you came this morning denying what the mirror said to you? All right, God bless. There's a couple of you, our brave people. But you know, that mirror, again, that mirror is a reflection of us. And the mirror says you got some antennas, some things going on. You know, again, we do everything we can to find the mirror says that's all we can do without surgery. Amen. And so then we're, we're free to go. Well, James says in the same way as we look into a natural mirror, the Bible says, our James says we look into the Word of God and it reflects who we are spiritually. A statement was made yesterday that said something like this, is the person that we see in the mirror every morning the same person that God sees? You know, when I look in a mirror, I see somebody pathetic. I see somebody that's trying to work it out. After 42 years in ministry, 62 years old, how many of you think, I should have made it by now? But the, the longer I go, the more I realize I have to go. But what would happen every day if we got up and looked in the mirror and we saw ourselves like God sees us? How many of you got up this morning and said in the mirror, you're a child of God, dude. You're an overcomer. You're more than a conqueror. You're part of a chosen generation, a whole royal priesthood. You're an heir of God. Woo! How many of you did that this morning when you got up? One. One happy person, one Baptocostal among us. Let me ask you, if God says it's true, is it true? What if you don't feel it? Is it still true? All right, today's going to be a happy service, all right? So kind of take your seatbelt off, all right? No, your seatbelt today. Before we get into it, just a reminder, three weeks from today, Easter, all right? On Easter, we have two services, all right? No Sunday school, no donuts. That's tough. It's hard to have revival without donuts, amen? But 8.30 and 10.30, you guys are our outreach team, all right? So it's up to you guys to invite people, uh, use Facebook, whatever, get people to come. 8.30 and 10.30, all right? So some of you are going to come at 10.50. I know it. You will be here in time for the message, all right? But you're going to miss a lot of the music. So 8.30, 10.30. This Wednesday, uh, Lance and Vicki Calloway are going to be starting an Overcomer series uh, by Dr. David Jeremiah. Really, the timing of that's good. We're going to talk about overcoming today. And so if you're not plugged into a small group or you're not involved with Awanas, invite you to come and be a part of that. It'll be in the room down in the south wing. I'm not sure which room, but we'll get you there if you come on Wednesday. All right, we began a series last, uh, last Sunday on Amazing Grace. 
and a probably all-time classic song because there's something in amazing grace that is amazing. Because when I look in that mirror and to think that person in the mirror was worth Calvary, that's amazing. I think it's, as I said last week, maybe the most recorded song of all times. I think about God pouring out his abundant blessing to us. Let me first just kind of define the difference between mercy and grace. Mercy is not getting the punishment we deserve. Can I tell you that we're not going to have to go to hell because Jesus died for us. That's mercy. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. Grace, on the other hand, is receiving blessings that we don't deserve. And so when we talk about grace, it's about learning to receive the abundance of God, not based on our performance, but just based on the goodness of God. And so this morning, I want to go back into the Old Testament. If you were to ask me, where's the best picture of grace maybe in the Bible? Certainly in the Old Testament, I would go back to 2 Samuel chapter 9, the story of Mephibosheth, all right? So let's kind of go back and look in 2 Samuel chapter 9. David has become king, and he, and he just wants to bless somebody. How many of you like it when the king wants to bless somebody? That's a lot better than the king wanting to kill somebody, all right? So he's wanting to bless somebody, and so let's pick up the story in 2 Samuel 9, verse 3. So David said to Ziba, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul that I may show him the kindness of God. So David wanted to bless somebody from Saul's family. Why? Because he had made, when he was younger, he made a covenant with Jonathan, Saul's son. Let's go back and just see that briefly. Back in 1 Samuel 18, let's read together. Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. And so when a covenant was made and by exchanging clothes and exchanging weapons, what Jonathan, the, the king's son, said to David is, everything that I have belongs to you and everything you have belongs to me. Your enemies are my enemies. My enemies are your enemies. My strength is your strength. They made a covenant together that would last forever. And so even though Jonathan had died, and the Bible tells us in 1 Samuel chapter 31, that Saul and his three sons, which included Jonathan, were killed by the Philistines. So Jonathan, who he made the covenant with, was gone. But David has become king, and he thinks back to that covenant that he made with Jonathan, where they made everything that was each other's, they just joined together. And David said, I just, I just want to bless somebody because of, of Jonathan. I just want to give something back because of the covenant that we made. And so he says to Ziba, or Ziba says to the king, there's still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in his feet. Now, by the way, the first thing we're told about Mephibosheth and the last thing we're told about Mephibosheth in this chapter is that he is lame on both of his feet. All right, we're told that twice in this chapter. So David said to him, where is he? And Ziba answered, he's in podunk nowhere. 
That's my interpretation of Lodabar. It is like nowheresville, all right? So he's living down in Lodabar. Now, why would that be true? Or how did he get lame on his feet? Well, the Bible tells us in 2 Samuel 4, 4, that Mephibosheth was five years old when news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. His nurse took him in haste to flee, and he fell and became lame. So that's how he became lame. His nurse was trying to do the right thing because she heard that Saul and Jonathan were dead. And anybody that knows anything about that time period, when a new king comes into power, he kills off all the descendants of the former king. And so she's trying to protect uh uh, or Mephibosheth, and in haste, she grabs him and starts to leave. She drops him, and somehow in that drop, he becomes lame in both feet. That's sad. That's kind of a sad story. And so he ends up down in Lodabar. Why would he end up in Lodabar, which is Nothingsville, Israel? Why would he go there? Well, let's look at that. The, the word Lodabar means no pasture. I mean, it is barren. There is nothing there. Why would Mephibosheth live in Lodabar? Because he was told that if the king ever finds out you're alive, you're going to be dead. And we've got to put you somewhere, the last place on the earth that the king would ever look for you. And that's Lodabar. So that tells you, man, it is, there is no reason to go to Lodabar. There's nothing there. It is barren. But yet he chooses to live there because he fears the king. Now let me say that he was probably given information that most of the time would be correct. That the king is probably, if he ever finds out you're alive, he's going to kill you. And so he lived under the fear of what he knew about the king. And let me just say this, that if we get wrong information about God, it's possible for us to, to fear ever being in God's presence if we're told that God is a boss and he demands work, work, work. And if we're not working hard enough, we're going to fear our relationship with God. Or if we're told that God's like a general, that all he does is bark out orders, and, and I know that I'm falling short and I just never meet up. I never want to, God doesn't want to hang around with me. I want to tell you, if you get the wrong concept of God, it will affect how you live the Christian life. And I just want to be honest to say that for much of my life, I've had a concept of God that if I don't perform enough, if I don't do enough, if I don't get to a certain point, God will never love me. I'm going to tell you, that's a Pharisee God. A Pharisee God says you have to perform in order for God to love you. But I'm the, I, I was taught growing up in church, and I've grown up in church, I've always been taught God's love is unconditional. Isn't that agape love? How many of you have ever been taught God's love is unconditional? Well, if that's true, it's not based on my performance. That's a Pharisee God that says that if I, if I don't perform enough, he's not going to love me. What we have done is made God in our image because we believe we can't be accepted unless we perform. But I want to give you some really, really great news. God loves you just like you are. I want to tell you how hard that is to receive. 
Because I know Roger Johnson is a mess. I know there's things I'm working on, and there always will be as long as I'm alive. And if I can never receive the love of God until my life gets all worked out, I'm never going to enjoy it, ever. And so grace says that we're going to receive what God has for us, and it's not based on our performance. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, God loves you exactly like you are. Turn back to your neighbor and say, even though you're a work in progress. How many of you love to look in the mirror every day and say, man, God loves you unconditionally? Yeah, you're a work in progress. Yeah, he's going to discipline me in love if I go astray. But let me ask every parent out there, what do your children have to do? How much do they have to perform for you to love them unconditionally? I'm going to tell you, a parent's heart loves their kids even though they're a mess, even though they're a work in progress. And I want to tell you, grace is about receiving God's love not based on our performance. Man, we've lived too long in Lodabar. Lodabar is where we beat ourselves up because we're just not worthy. We're, just, we're never going to amount to anything. I'm just frustrated that I can never please God. But Mephibosheth was blessed not based on his performance, but based on his relationship to Jonathan. And I want to tell you there's only one reason God wants to bless our socks off. And it's not because we're Baptists. Hold on. It's not because you're a member or come to this church. There's one reason God wants to give you the kingdom is because you have a relationship with Jesus, his son. Yeah. You guys can get happy today. All right, this is happy service. Some of you go, oh, I'm just gonna, I got to think about it. I, 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 just, I just, I don't know if I could ever deserve it. You can't. I'm going to go ahead and give you the news now. You can't. You're never going to perform enough to somehow think, man, I deserve the kingdom. Never. That's a Pharisee God, by the way. All right, you guys got me sidetracked. All right, here we go. So here's Lodabar. It's about 60 miles northeast of Jerusalem. How many of you have ever heard being born on the wrong side of the tracks? He was, he was living on the wrong side of the river. There's the Jordan River right down the middle. He was over there in Lodabar, which I've, I've named Hopelessville. I mean, it is nothing burger. But can I tell you, it's amazing how many Christians have a poor self-image because they look in the mirror and they see someone who is struggling, who has failed, who just seems they can't ever get it all together. And again, you're basing it on your performance. If God's love is unconditional, does that mean unconditional? That means during the process of Roger becoming more like Jesus, which is a lifelong process, how many of you know that he can love us every day during the process? And his blessings to us is not based on our performance. Man, that is so freeing. It is so freeing to know it's not about our performance. It's about the grace of God. He wants to do it. He wants to give us the kingdom. You guys don't get happy easy, do you? A 
If I told you guys, just go live in Lodabar, you're a mess. Okay, I'll accept that. But if I'm telling you, man, God wants to give you the kingdom because of your relationship to Jesus, it's not based on your goodness. It's not based on your performance. I mean, it'll set you free when you get up and look in the mirror and say, wow, you are somebody. Now, your wife may tell you different, but I mean, just listen to God. Your wife will remind you you're a work in progress. Yeah, that's true. That is true. All right, we got to get going. So Mephibosheth in Lodabar probably lived in fear and low self-esteem 24-7. And he lived his life in fear because he had been told things about the king which weren't true. And I want to tell you, if you don't have the right concept of God, you literally can live like a pauper. You can live in Lodabar struggling your whole life because you just aren't good enough. And you aren't good enough. You do not deserve. Grace is not based on what we deserve. It's just based on the goodness of God. I think David had bad information, or Mephibosheth had bad information about King David. He probably felt like the most wanted man in Israel. I think he probably lived a wasted, unproductive life. But when word came that King David was looking for him, things changed. So David sent and brought him from Lodabar. How many of you think he was a little nervous? Yeah. He thought, this is it. This is the big one. Make sure my will's in order before I go see the king. Of course, he didn't have anything. He lived in Lodabar. Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, came to David and fell on his face and paid reverence. He could not have had a more low self-esteem. Couldn't have. I'm amazed at how many Christians have a poor self-image because they base their image on their performance. And again, I, I just want to be honest. Everybody here is a work in progress. If you're looking for a perfect church, you're never going to find it. Because as soon as you join, it's no longer perfect. Of course, they're not perfect either. All right, we're all a mess we're all a work in progress, but God loves you during the process. That's the good news. So David said to Mephibosheth, do not fear. When he said that, I think how many times Jesus said to the disciples, do not fear, relax. And I want to tell you today, do not fear. God loves you far more than you even love yourself. If we only knew the heart of God, that he wants to give us the kingdom, he wants to bless us, not because of who we are or what we've done or going to do, it's just because of our connection to Jesus, he wants to give us the kingdom. That's what it's about. How many of you have went into work tomorrow saying, whoopee, I'm an overcomer, I'm a child of the king, Whoa! of you think they throw you out thinking you're drunk here David says I will restore to you all the land of Saul your father wow and you will eat at my table at Christmas and Easter what did he tell you to Mephibosheth I want you always to be at my table 
Now I'm assuming she's like, well, King, I just, I don't deserve it. I can't really, I can't really do anything. David said, I know it. Man, when you discover God wants intimate relationship with you every day because he loves you unconditionally, it will forever change you. Now, the more you get to know me, the more you understand God's grace. Because I don't deserve it. I don't. I still struggle. I still fall. But the grace of God is just given based on God's love. Let's go on. So Mephibosheth bowed and he said, What is your servant that you should show regard for a dead dog such as I? How many of you think he had about as low self-esteem as you could get? By the way, the rabbi, the, the Jewish rabbis, one of their prayers as they prayed to God, they said, God, thank you that I'm not a Gentile or a dog. They didn't think much of Gentiles. He was not only a dog, he considered himself a dead dog. How many of you think that's pretty low on the totem pole? And again, I want to tell you that in your flesh, you are not worth anything from God. You never will would be worth it. And I don't care how much I perform, I'll never, ever deserve the goodness of God, ever. But understanding that God is such a good God, and we say that God loves us unconditionally, but again, we beat ourselves up because of our failures. And I, God knows you're a work in progress. He knows you're a mess. But He loves you unconditionally, through the process. So David said to Ziba, all that belong to Saul, I have given to your master's grandson. How many of you all, if you found out you were heir to Bill Gates' fortune, how many of you would have a good day? Yeah, now you're happy. Now you're happy, yeah. How many of you would shout? Woo! We'd see some Baptocostals everywhere. I've got good news. God is worth far more than Bill Gates. You're an heir of, of the king. He wants to give you the kingdom. But yet we've created a God that's based on performance, and then we keep beating ourselves up. I'm, I'm as guilty as anybody. You know, I kept hearing a phrase, God loves you the way you are, not as the way you are you should be because you're never going to be who you should be as long as you're alive you're going to have issues but if we can receive that God loves us just the way we are in the process what an incredible gift what a gift to receive that God wants to give you the kingdom he desires you to enjoy the kingdom He says, you and your sons, he's saying to Ziba, are going to be servants, shall till the land for Mephibosheth and bring in the produce that your master's grandson may have bread to eat. That rascal wasn't even required to work. That's pathetic. He's going to sit at the table. You do all the work and just bring him and bless him. Some of you would love to be Mephibosheth for one day. Yeah, man, God just wants to bless you. 
You can't work for it. You'll never earn it, ever, ever. I was watching Facebook, and I'm not, I don't post much on Facebook. But there's somebody that I know that's I mean, has fallen off the wagon. I mean, they have just fallen off the wagon. Man, and it would be so easy to say, you sinner! You're no good! You're trash! You know what I text them? God loves you exactly like you are. He knows you're a work in progress, but I, I just want you to receive His love. That was fun. Because I read all the other comments and they were all just, you know, all judgmental. And just to say, God, and I believe the person's a believer who's fallen off the wagon. And I'm going to tell you, just to say, God loves you unconditionally, exactly like you are, and yeah, you're a work in progress, but if you could receive his love, it'll forever change you. Now, if you act happy, we'll go faster. All right? If you, if you, if you, got, you guys, again, you look like you've been sucking green persimmons, all right? I'm telling you, man, the kingdom of God, he wants to give it to you, and it is not based on your performance. All right, let's get going. He says, but Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall always eat at my table. That rascal. Talk about payday. Talk about incredible blessing. So Mephibosheth had to make a decision. Was he going to get his mail at Lodabar or the king's table? And today, you guys are going to make a decision. Somebody's going to ask me, how many decisions were Sunday? I'm going to say everybody made a decision. Some of you are going to walk out of here and go hang out in Lodabar, just kind of beat yourself up. And that's sad. That's sad. But some of you are going to walk out of here. Some of you won't get it till you're driving home, and it's going to dawn on your way home that you're a child of the king. You're going to have to pull over because you're going to have a spell. It's going to happen. You're going to cry. You're going to shout. You're going to go home and look in the mirror and say, wow, you are a child of the king. You are somebody to God. Just don't talk to your spouse for a little bit, all right? Just, this gets good. It doesn't get any better than this. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table, duh. Like, that's the easiest decision he ever made. I wonder what would happen if all of us here today received the abundance of God. So Mephibosheth ate at Dabel's table like one of the king's sons. That's so awesome. 